Our scripture this morning comes from the book of Genesis, chapter 27, verses 1 through 19. Hear now the word of the Lord. When Isaac was old and his eyes were dim so that he could not see, he called his elder son Esau and said to him, My son. And he answered, Here I am. He said, See, I am old. I do not know the day of my death. Now then, take your weapons, your quiver and your bow, and go out to the field and hunt game for me. Then prepare for me savory food such as I like, and bring it to me to eat so that I may bless you before I die. Now Rebekah was listening when Isaac spoke to his son Esau. So when Esau went to the field to hunt for game and bring it, Rebekah said to her son Jacob, I heard your father say to your brother Esau, Bring me game and prepare for me savory food to eat, that I may bless you before the Lord before I die. Now therefore, my son, obey my word as I command you. Go to the flock and get me two choice kids, so that I may prepare from them savory food for your father such as he likes. And you shall take it to your father to eat, so that he may bless you before he dies. But Jacob said to his mother, Rebekah, Look, my brother Esau is a hairy man, and I am a man of smooth skin. Perhaps my father will feel me, and I shall seem to be mocking him, and bring a curse on myself, and not a blessing. His mother said to him, Let your curse be on me, my son. Only obey my word, and go get them for me. So he went and got them, and brought them to his mother, and his mother prepared savory food such as his father loved. Then Rebekah took the best garments of her elder son Esau, which were with her in the house, and put them on her younger son Jacob. And she put the skins of the kids on his hands and on the smooth part of his neck. Then she handed the savory food and the bread that she had prepared to her son Isaac, son Jacob. So he went into his father and said, My father. And he said, Here I am. Who are you, my son? Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done as you told me. Now sit up and eat of my game so that you may bless me. This is the word of the Lord. When we last saw Isaac, he was still but a boy lying on the altar of sacrifice as his father Abraham prepared to show just how much he trusted the Lord his God by giving back to God the very blessing that God had given him. God prevented this, however, from happening and provided a ram instead so that the promised blessing could continue on through Isaac, the child of promise. When Isaac was 40 years old, he married Rebekah. Unfortunately, Rebekah turned out to be barren just as Isaac's mother Sarah had also been. Having learned at least something from his father, however, Jacob went to the Lord in prayer and prayed on behalf of his wife, and the Lord heard his prayer, and Rebekah became pregnant. Her pregnancy was so difficult, however, that she went to the Lord, crying out in agony, wondering how she could go on. God told her that there were two nations in her womb, but against all expectations, it was the younger one that was going to come out on top. In other words, it was the younger son who was going to receive the promised blessing that God had given so many years ago to Isaac's father, Abraham. And sure enough, Rebekah gave birth 
to twins. Esau, the older one, was a hairy man who grew up to become a, a skilled hunter and a man of the field, while the younger one, Jacob, was a quiet man who preferred to remain indoors. When the twins were born, Jacob came out with his hand clutching at the heel of his brother Esau, almost as if he was trying to pull himself up past Esau and supplant him as the older brother. That's what Jacob's name means, after all, supplanter. And why wouldn't Jacob want to supplant Esau? After all, Esau was the successful one. Not only was he the firstborn, which naturally came with a larger share of the family inheritance and the all-important father's blessing, but Esau was good at everything. He was captain of the football team. He dated all the prettiest girls. He got invited to the best parties, got into all the good schools, belonged to the nicest clubs. He had a lucrative career. Everything went well in life for Esau. Do you know anybody like that? Who seems to just live a charmed life and everything goes their way? Well, that was Esau. And he was everybody's favorite, especially their fathers. Well, everyone except their mother who favored Jacob, the younger son. You know, Isaac and Rebecca started off so well in our story. They began as people of prayer, which may be the most important thing that we do as parents. But at some point, they settled into playing favorites, each loving one of their children at the expense of the other. It's amazing how much of our life is shaped by the love that we received or did not receive from our parents when we were growing up. And many of us spend the rest of our lives trying hard to earn the love and approval that we did not feel we got enough of as kids. And that can lead us to make some pretty bad choices in life. Of course, even the best parents' love is but a feeble and imperfect approximation of the love that our Heavenly Father has for us, a love that was revealed most clearly when God sent His only Son to come find us wherever we have gotten lost in our bad choices and to offer His own life as a sacrifice in our place that we might receive the promised blessing from God and have new life. Of course... A new life was just the thing that Jacob was looking for. Or more specifically, he wanted Esau's life. After all, Esau was the preferred twin, the better twin. And every day he tried in vain to live up to Esau's standards. And we all know what that's like, don't we? After all, as Craig Barnes writes, like Jacob, we also have a twin. For Esau isn't just Jacob's older brother, he's that person who's just like us, only better. He's smarter, thinner, more attractive, more athletic, more accomplished. From the day we are born, we are measuring ourselves up against this image of who we think we should be, whatever Esau looks like to us. 
We knock ourselves out to fill that image, trying hard to become more like this twin that haunts us through life. It's the only way we know how to get his blessing, the one we believe should have been ours in the first place. But no matter what we do, it is never good enough because we believe Esau would have done it better. So like Jacob, we go through life trying to become Esau, the preferred version of ourselves. The problem, of course, is that God had promised to bless Jacob, not Esau. And ironically, it was probably because of that promise, which his mother surely must have shared with her favorite son, that Jacob tried so hard to attain it. He didn't know how else to get it. But remember, blessings are never something we can achieve for ourselves. They can only be received as a gift. But that didn't stop Jacob from trying. It all started one day when Esau came in from working in the fields and he was famished. He saw that Jacob was preparing some food and demanded some for himself. But Jacob, always scheming, said, If you sell me your rights as firstborn son, I'll give you some food. And Esau, thinking only with his belly, says impetuously, Ah, who cares about such things when I'm dying of hunger? So Esau sold his birthright to Jacob for some bread and lentil stew. But Esau, or but Jacob, always trying to maneuver his way to the top, didn't stop there in his efforts to supplant his older brother. One day when the boy's father Isaac was old and blind, he summoned Esau and told him to go out into the fields and catch some food and prepare it for him so that he might give his favorite son the important father's blessing. The boy's mother Rebecca overheard this and she told her favorite son, Jacob, to go put on some of Esau's clothes and to cover up his hands and neck with animal skins in order to fool blind Isaac into thinking that Jacob was actually Esau. So Jacob practically makes a clown out of himself trying to look and feel like his brother. I can only imagine what this scene must have looked like from heaven. As they all looked down on Jacob with goat skin scotch taped to his neck. As God says to all the angels, yep, that's our guy. As Paul writes, God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. And foolish indeed it was. So Jacob, in his clown suit, goes in to see his father and calls out to him. And when Isaac asks, who are you, my son? Jacob lies and says, I am Esau, your firstborn. Of course, he's only half lying, isn't he? And after all, he'd spent his whole life trying to become Esau. He'd already swindled his brother out of his birthright. Now he was trying to steal the coveted father's blessing as well by dressing up like his brother. So Jacob was almost telling the truth when he said, I am Esau. 
But of course, he, he wasn't really. He was just pretending to be his preferred twin in order to get his blessing. But again, Jacob didn't need to try to be Esau in order to receive a blessing. He only needed to be himself because God had already promised to bless Jacob. You know, so many of us go through life trying to be someone else, thinking if we could just be more like Esau, more confident or, or more successful or more righteous, then maybe God would bless us. But from the vantage point of heaven, we must look like clowns dressing up to be someone other than who God created us to be because we've listened to voices telling us that we'll never be good enough. Bruce Larson has said that there are voices in each of our lives that come from the cellar. These are voices that drag us down, that tell us that we're not good enough, not smart enough, not pretty enough, and that no matter how well we do in life, we'll never measure up to Esau. Sometimes these voices even come from our parents as their critical words become etched in our psyche, shaping our identity and our self-image. No matter how successful we become, many of us continue to listen to these voices from the cellar. Of course, often the most critical cellar voice of all is the one within, telling us that we just need to try harder to become more like Esau. But Larson says we also have voices in our lives that come from the balcony whom God has placed there to teach us who we are. These voices are the ones that encourage us, the ones that believe in us before we could believe in ourselves. And we can choose to listen to those voices rather than the ones from the cellar. These balcony voices may come from our teachers or coaches, from our bosses or spouses, from youth leaders or people who sit near us in church. Hopefully they also come from our parents, whose primary job, along with praying for our children, is to help them to know who they are, that they are loved by God, chosen in Christ, and blessed that they might become a blessing. This is what your baptism was all about. For in the waters of baptism, God reached out to you, claiming you as his own, saying, I have called you by name, and it is not Esau. You are my beloved child. With you, I am well pleased. You see, there's... There's nothing you can do to make God love you anymore, no matter how hard you try. And thank God there's also nothing you can do to make God love you any less. Which was fortunate for Jacob, because he made quite a mess of his life trying to wheel and deal his way into getting the blessing that God had already promised to give him. And then he had end up having to run for his life when Esau vowed to kill him after returning from the fields to discover that their father's blessing had been stolen by his brother, the supplanter. 
You too can make quite a mess of your life, trying to become the twin you wish you could be because you've listened to these voices from the cellar. Or you can choose to listen to the voices from the balcony telling you that you are loved, that you are special, that you are blessed, not because you've tried so hard to become Esau, but because in Jesus Christ, you have been given a new twin who came not to judge you for all the things that you are not, but to show you who you really are the beloved of God, created for a purpose, heir to all the promises of God. And the more you choose to listen to the Savior's voice, the more the Holy Spirit will shape you into His perfect image. But until you believe that it is God who has created your life and called it good, you will continue to judge your life as being not good enough. You will never find joy and contentment in your life until you learn to listen to that voice from the balcony of heaven telling you that you are good enough and that you are blessed, not because of anything that you have done, but because of what Jesus Christ has done for you. But if you're ever going to learn to listen to his voice and become the blessed person that God created you to be, well, you're going to have to stop pretending to be Esau. Amen.